Hello everyone, welcome back to Gamer's Gambit. I am Al, and with me is a man that's so legendary, if it wasn't for the fact that he's my cousin and I know he's a real person, I wouldn't be sure if he truly existed. How you doing today, Wade? I think, I think I'm very purple or orange, I'm not sure. You think therefore you are? I think therefore I am. You the think? Color, the color is not gray, the color is not a yellow, it's certainly not blue. It can only be purple or orange. So we have a few stories to discuss today since our last conversation a month ago, including a couple of updates. Now, first, I think the last episode I did mention Super Mario Maker 2. Well, uh, my son did he did get the game, and it seems okay so far, but the story is that uh, so far Nintendo or uh, Super Mario Maker fans have uploaded o- over 2 million levels, and the game's only been out a couple weeks. I like this. I like this. How how many levels have you played so far? I tried playing one level that he made, and I couldn't get through it. That devious little jerk. But anyways, uh, it's weird. I mean, well, actually, no, I did play a few of the regular levels, uh, that, and they weren't too bad. The game actually has kind of a story mode. Uh, there's something where they're trying to... You got a bunch of toads that are trying to build a, a castle, and you have to go and, you know, you go to do certain things, and it builds another floor or something. So, I don't know. I haven't gotten too much into it. My son so far likes it. Uh, he says that there is, like, a competitive online mode to it, which is new because I don't think they had that in the first one. Okay. I so. haven't played the first one, so I don't, I don't know but. Yeah, because it did have multiplayer, I think, but it was local. Uh, I think, it, as I said, it's been so long since I played the first one. but uh, So I thought that was interesting that they did include an online multiplayer. The disadvantage to it, and I'm sure this is common with online games, is that the speed that it runs at is always going to depend on the slowest. Because he was, uh, when I got home from work, he was going to be doing a multiplayer game. And you notice that, I guess it tells you if the people who are playing with you are in console mode or handheld mode. And if you're in the handheld or portable mode, uh, usually it that mode runs a bit slower. Okay. So that actually transitions very nicely into the first main story we have so far. And that is Nintendo is going to be releasing the Switch Lite, which... I personally think it's kind of strange that they would uh, do it. Well, actually, no, the Switch has been out for a couple of years, hasn't it? It's up on its second or third year, yeah, I think. Okay, I don't know. Sometimes it seems like almost yesterday that we got our Switch, but I know that's not true. <laughs> so, yeah, the so they are releasing the Switch Lite, and I was reading one article which there were... It seems that there's some mixed reviews of it. Now, what are your what are your thoughts on this? Because I remember you said before that for your Switch, you primarily use it as its portable mode. Yeah, and I use it. It's charging in the dock normally, but you know when I take it out and actually play it, I'm usually you know using it you know handheld mode, so I'm not really worried about that. It's only when I'm playing something that I want to like maybe. 
Zelda when I want to look at more details, you know what I mean, on a larger screen, you know, that I'll put it on the dock and watch it on the TV. Um, yeah, and some of the main differences, first, it has no support for the dock itself. Uh, also, there's no output to TV, so it's strictly a portable system. Uh, also, some of the other things, the battery life is actually a bit better. It doesn't have removable Joy-Cons. I'm not sure how integral that is to a lot of the games. I mean, I'm sure you can get by fine with, you know, just fine without it. It doesn't have the tabletop mode where, you know, it's out of the dock, but, you know, you, you got the little stick kickstand in the back. Uh, so it doesn't have that. And I was reading one article where they were saying that you might want to hold off because I guess there's no way yet to transfer your games from a regular Switch to a Switch Lite. Yeah, and that would make sense. I mean, with the 3DS, I think it's pretty. It's, it's a little bit of a issue to transfer games back and forth. I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and they were also saying that uh, since the Joy it doesn't have removable Joy Cons, uh, if there's anything that has motion control, those games you can't uh, do. One thing I did see about the design, which I actually like is on the left-hand side, they have a regular D-pad instead of the four buttons, which, I mean, okay, granted, I'm not going to go run out and get a Switch Lite, but I really wish that they did that with the original. I'm sure there's probably a reason why they didn't, but I don't know. It. I think it's probably going to be more beneficial for people who are still, again, casual gamers uh, who like portable games they don't like you know they don't like sitting in front of a tv uh you know they like being able to have something they can play on the go and people who haven't actually bought a switch yet because granted it is it's a hundred dollars less so while you do have that portability i think that you know i'm not sure if that hundred dollars really makes it worth uh especially getting a second one yeah, not for, not for a second one, but for people who haven't jumped in, you know, and bought a, bought a Switch and possibly don't really care about the motion control type thing, and maybe their kids or maybe even them, you know, they have a 3DS or whatnot and want to get an upgrade and play, you know, the Switch games, you know, and they're okay with just a handheld mode. I, I don't see any reason why not, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, time will tell, of course, how well the the system itself will do. And again, I think it's an interesting idea. I'm, as I said, I'm not, not quite ready to say whether this was a smart move or a dumb move on Nintendo's part. But like I said, I'm just wondering if they're trying to find ways to breathe new life into the system and to keep it fresh. I mean, I because I, I remember when the Wii came out uh, after... I think about a year, a year and a half or so, they released a new model that was like, you know, about a hundred bucks or so cheaper, but then it didn't have the GameCube compatibility. So uh, again, I guess it's one of those things about whether that's a big deal or not really kind of depends on, well, how much do you like GameCube? Because uh, that's actually one thing I did like about the Switch, I'm sorry, not the Switch, the Wii, is... Since I never had a chance to play a lot of GameCube games, this gave me it gave me a chance 
to try out some GameCube games that I never had a chance to play before, and I didn't have to go spend money to get a secondhand game GameCube. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. Uh, the one thing that makes me wonder is there's a rumor of a Switch Pro that's going to come out, um, and it makes me wonder: will that be, you know, you know, one supposedly a more powerful system, but two, will they? go all in on that one and make that a, you know, just docked system, you know, like a normal console, or will they make that like the current switches and just make it kind of more powerful? Well, I don't know if I necessarily would say that it's terrible and a terrible idea. It's just, I think they have to be careful about releasing too many similar consoles with, you know, two, you know, within too short of a time. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, well, you don't want to confuse people on, well, which one should I buy? Which one's the good good one? Which one's the bad one? You know, you want somebody to know, you know, no matter what you get, you're getting the Switch experience. Yeah. So the next story we have, uh, this is going to be a continuation, well, not a continuation, an update of a story we covered last time. We mentioned the TurboGrafx-16 Mini, and they have released a list of the games that they're planning to put on it. I'm actually impressed with this. They're going to be putting 50 games on it. And there was uh, an article I read on the Nintendo Enthusiast site where there's even a possibility that they might even be put some more on. And again, I find that impressive because, well, okay, the PS Classic, well, then again, we're also talking with larger, about larger size games there, you know, only had 20 games. And I mean, even the NES Classic and the Super Nintendo Classic only had, what, about like 20 some games on it? Yeah, I mean, 50 is a, is a lot. Yeah, and they are going to be doing both American released games and Japanese released games. So here's the list we have so far. So for America, American release games, we've got Air Zonk, Alien Crush, Blazing Lasers, Bomberman 93, Bonk's Revenge, Kadash, Chu Man Fu, Dungeon Explorer, JJ and Jeff, Lords of Thunder, Military Madness, Moto Rotor, Newtopia, Newtopia 2, New Adventure Island, Ninja Spirit, Parasol Stars, Power Golf, Psychosis, R-Type, Soldier Blade, Space Harrier, Victory Run, and Yee's Book 1 and 2. The Japanese versions, they are going to be having Castlevania Rondo of Blood, uh, which is cool. Uh, it's actually a really fun game. Uh, Aldines, uh, A Pair, Gateball, Bomberman 94, Bomberman Panic Bomber, Chinaki, uh, some... Japanese Ghouls and Ghosts game, Dungeon Explorer. So wait, they're doing. I wonder if they're doing both the American and Japanese versions. So I don't know if there's going to be a significant difference between those two. Fantasy Zone, um, some games that I cannot pronounce. Gradius, Gradius Two, Darius or Super Darius rather. Star Parader, Snatcher, Salamander, uh, Bonk's Adventure, The Kung Fu. Not just Kung Fu, the Kung Fu. Uh, Fu. Yeah. Superstar Soldier. And they're also listing, again, Yeez 1 and 2. 
So that's weird that they've got a couple games on there. Actually, also they have the Newtopia and Newtopia 2 listed. So it's kind of weird that they've got multiple uh, or duplicate games there. Again, I'm wondering if they're doing it because there is a significant difference between the U.S. and the Japanese versions. Um, I mean, I would assume that... Well, I know a lot of times there were some Japanese games that, you know, they did have English text. Because otherwise, of course, if it's just all Japanese, I mean, that's going to limit the number of people that be able to, you know, fully understand the game. Yeah, my my question is, is are they going to redo, like, this is the original English version, and then possibly here's the version that's in Japan, and possibly redo the translation? You know what I mean? Possibly, you know, well, this is a more true... Because remember, during the... the 80s and 90s when this thing was out, um, or was it 1993, I think, possibly? Yeah, somewhere around there. But I'm like, you know, translation wasn't always that good, and some of it was censored a lot. So, you know what I mean? There could be just going, you know, we're giving out these Japanese games with a new translation as well as the original U.S. releases. Just Or they could just do it here because... There were a lot of people, as far as I know, for because this includes, I think, Super PC Engine and PC Engine games. Yes. Which uh, there were a lot of people that imported PC Engine and, and the Super PC Engine that came after it. So maybe they're looking to get into that old audience as well that you know were willing to import the games. That's possible, and. I know you're talking about how the translation back in the day, as some people like to call it English, uh, where, you know, sometimes there were, well, there's actually some funny examples there, like pro wrestling for the NES, a winner is you, uh, also another one that, uh, if you've ever beaten the cast, the first Castlevania game, you know, cause the game was supposed to be an homage to some of these classic horror movies. And they have some, you know, bad translations of some of the actors from these classic monster movies, like Boris Karloffis, uh, Christopher B., Bon Chaney. Um, so yeah, they, as I said, so that, and I, I mean, I don't, I know part of it just comes from, you know, whenever you're translating languages, of course, there's different, uh, you know, there's different rules and, in the case of Japanese and English, at least what I've been told is there's some letters that, while we pronounce them differently in the Japanese translation, it would, uh, you know, they're, they're pronounced very, very similar. Um, and then also you gotta consider things like, uh, you know, just the sentence structures they use. Cause I don't remember if what I mentioned on, on this show or if it was on a geek episode of Geekery in general, but I was reading a an, an article in I'm wanting to say Game Informer, but it was some video game magazine, and they were talking to a person who worked on translating some of the Final Fantasy games or you know movies from Japanese to English, and he was again talking about how there's the different sentence structures where. Like they were, they were mentioning. I think it was in one of the Final Fantasy VII spin-off games. It's like I guess someone asked, uh, or Vincent asked someone if he had a cell phone, and 
um, the you know the answer was no, and like Vince's response in Japanese like was like believe cannot, which of course in English, yeah, in English is not proper, but I guess you can get away with that in Japanese. So, and even there's a lot of little things too, like for example in well Castlevania, uh, the the flea men, they're they're totally different in the Japanese versions of Castlevania 1 and 3 than they are in, in the version we have. You know, for our, uh, you know, for our versions that we played, they looked kind of like the Hunchback of Notre Dame. You know, because again, it's going for that, or maybe not that, but it was like that little Hunchback form. Cause they're supposed to be, I guess, like Igor from, uh, Frankenstein. So, uh, you know, again, because it was trying to homage the horror movies, but in the Japanese versions, they actually look more like, you know, actual monsters, like these gremlin-like creatures. So, I mean, it should be interesting to learn more about how the English and Japanese versions are different, whether there are significant differences in, like, the sound or the translation or the gameplay, um, or if it's just the language. But unfortunately, we're going to have to wait until next March to find out. The planned release date is March 19th of 2020. So moving on. Now, were you ever into the Gears of War series? Not really. I I never liked some of their mechanics. So it was like, and it was coming at that time where apparently, you know, hiding hiding for cover was all the rage. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and it's not something I've really gotten into. Um, I've mentioned here and there that there used to be this uh, channel we got, and they had a show called Cinematics, where, and again, this, got to remember, this was in the early, like, 2000, this was around 2006, 2007. So this was before, you know, YouTube became the big thing. But, like, they had that program where they would take cutscenes from a video game and put it all together, uh, they would take some of the cutscenes and put them together to form about an hour, well, actually the, I don't remember if they had commercials or not, but it was an hour time slot, so again, about a 45, 50 minute long, you know, show, which of course now people do on YouTube all the time, but I remember they had Gears of War as one of the episodes of Cinematics they did, and so I actually have a copy of the first one, but I haven't played it yet, because way back when, actually, I think this was, remember when Toys R Us was closing? Mm-hmm. Um, the, they had uh, a clearance sale, and there was a, a disc they had where it was like the rare replay, and it included as a bonus Gears of War. So I have a copy of the first Gears of War game, I just haven't actually played it yet. Yeah, because they did make a remaster of it, I believe. Yeah, and I'm not sure the version I have. I'm not sure if it's a remaster or if it's a, uh, or if it's the original. But, anyways, so Gears of War Five is going to be coming out. There, uh, I guess it's still in development, but they've announced that they will be taking a smoking section out of Gears of War Five. And this is because of complaints by a nonprofit organization called uh, Truth, which is a youth anti-tobacco organization. So because of that, okay, so the game is set for release on September 10th, but like I said, they 
Uh, it doesn't sound like they're pushing it back, but yeah, the Truth Initiative approached them, and it's because uh, the the E League Esports Division has broadcast rights to the title, so that's when it kind of steered them to make this change of removing the smoking segment from Gears of War Five. So, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, eh, pretty much. It's it's one of those things where it's like a smoking in video games. How many video games actually have smoking to begin with? I mean, it's one of those things these days that, you know, I mean, if you wanted to be real and up with the times, wouldn't you be a millennialist and just give vape. people a, a vape pen or a vape, a vape trigger or whatnot? Actually, one of the first games that I can remember seeing smoking in was actually a game you gave to me. Many, many, many years ago, you gave me Galogo 13 for the the Nintendo Entertainment System as a birthday present. Oh, yeah. Not only is there smoking in that, there's also implied sex. And I don't... That's a great game to give out, then, I think. Yeah. And I don't remember if you were were there when uh, we were... I was playing it, but... I think you may have been because in the first, you know, the first level, there's a scene where you meet up with this girl at, or this woman at a hotel. And then, you know, they have their little dialogue and then it shows the outside of the hotel and it shows them kind of coming together to kiss the silhouettes. Then the screen goes black and then your health meter goes up. And I I think you may have been there because I thought we looked at each other like, what? 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 Exactly, because it's like, okay, that's the, and that is way before Grand Theft Auto. Yes. Way before. <laughs> so, and I guess here's the way I see it. Now, since I'm not emotionally attached by, uh, or to the, uh, you know, to the Gears of War series, it really doesn't make any difference to me one way or the other. But honestly, I think that's unnecessary for them to remove it. Because, okay, well, I played a video game back when I was a teenager that had someone smoking, and I didn't end I ended up not becoming a smoker. But, okay, Gears of War is rated M for Mature. Mm-hmm. And this isn't Super Mario Brothers, people. It's not a game where you, you know, jump on someone's head. And, you know, they blink a couple times and then disappear. But the article that I got this from, uh, it's from a Yahoo Entertainment website uh, written by Todd Spangler. And he did make a comment in here that I think is very true. Now, first, there's a statement from Rod Ferguson, who headed the studio at the Coalition. Um, I've seen firsthand the devastating impact of smoking. It's always been important for me to not use smoking as a narrative device, which is why we made the conscious choice to avoid highlighting or glorifying smoking in Gears 5 and throughout the Gears of War universe moving forward. Uh, So that's according to a rep for Xbox Game Studio. Um, But again, the decision was solely by the Coalition. Uh, Article goes on. Of course, Gears 5 still includes a ton of shooting and arguably glorifies violence. The game is rated M for mature audiences, for blood and gore, strong language, intense violence, according to Microsoft. 
Is there a double standard in keeping the violence while parties involved congratulate themselves for their anti-smoking stance? For one thing, as the video game industry has reportedly noted, and as we've talked about many times on this show, there's no evidence of a casual link between violent crime and gaming. Uh, Latsky said that the elimination of smoking doesn't change the nature of the game itself, and he cited research that shows a correlation between higher exposure to tobacco depictions in entertainment, higher exposure to tobacco depictions in entertainment, and a higher instance or incidence of smoking adaptation or adoption. I cannot read today. Among younger people, as you remove these images, it does have an impact. He says. So, again, I'm not sure how you know what the research behind that is. Where okay, if kids see smoking, they're more likely to do it. I mean, I to some extent, I think it's gonna be it's similar to violence in video games and the connection there. Where okay, if you do have a gamer who goes and commits an act of violence. It's probably not because they played video games. There's other factors involved. So that's why I'm almost wondering if they're almost cherry-picking when they're talking about depictions of smoking in media and people actually smoking. Because I'm almost wondering if, okay, how good is that research? Is there maybe something else that causes them to take up smoking? There's a lot of reasons why the people pick up smoking. I mean, heck, we still don't understand why on every tobacco, you know, product out there, it says this sh- this crap is going to kill you. And people still put the cancer stick to their mouth and they still suck on it. I mean, it's, you know what I mean? You can't get any more blatant than that. Thinking that taking it out of a video game is going to do anything with that. No, we've known over and over. We see old people in nursing homes with frickin' oxygen tanks sitting there, and they're smoking with their oxygen tank right beside them waiting to explode. (laughs) No one cares. No one's going to listen to you say that smoking is bad for you because they don't care. You know, it's funny you mention that with the... And again, not trying to rip on old people, uh, but... Yeah, my wife and I, before our son was born, occasionally we'd go up to like the casinos up in Green Bay. And yeah, we would walk by the bingo hall or we'd go where the slot machines were. And yeah, there were times where you had, or actually I think um, Oneida, the main one around here, did change their policy where the bingo hall is the only place you can smoke there now. But yeah, you'd see elderly people with a cigarette in one hand and an oxygen tank in the other. But uh do you remember the comedian Dennis Leary? Uh, yep, I do. Now, I know he used to smoke. I don't know if he still does or if he quit. But he, back in the day, uh, there was a stand-up album of his my sister had called No Cure for Cancer. Mm-hmm. And his opening act, he was talking about smoking. And he said, you know, you could, you know, you could have a cigarette called Tumors... That comes, <laughs> yeah. That comes in a black pack with a skull and crossbones on the front, and smokers will still be lining up around the corner to get it. You know, so. And again, I know it's not the the reason I'm only mentioning that is it's you know it's related to the whole thing about well, okay, smoking, and yes, we 
there's plenty of media images out there and commercials talking about how dangerous it is, but I, I guess to, you know, people are still going to do it, but I get to bring it back to the main topic. I don't know, just personally, I think this whole removing smoking from Gears of War is, it's pointless. That game's not marketed towards young kids. And hopefully parents aren't letting their 12 and 13 year old kids play that game. And, and even if they do, I think there's probably worse things they can see in those types of games than smoking. Well, and, and the entire thing is, it's, it's one of those things that I tell people. Just because it's rated M doesn't mean you can't let, you know, a 12, 13 year old or whatnot play them. It's not, it's not the, I mean, there's some games you probably don't, but at the same thing, you've got to react to your own child's maturity level and you have to understand whether or not you've given them the values, you know what I mean, to let them know that this is not real, this is not good, these are the things you don't do, you know what I mean? You have to know what it values you've instilled in your kids to, you know, because that's one of the reasons why we have the rating system yeah. is because parents want somebody else to raise their kids for them. I mean, you know what I mean? At the end of the day, you know what I mean? Well, I don't know, because I guess with the rating system, I'm not really entirely against it. I, I guess I don't see it as necessarily, you know, it's trying to, I don't see it as people trying to let others raise their children, but I do like that there is a rating system because, again, it does give parents a little bit of information so they know whether they want to give their child that particular game. Like if, I mean, let's say for the sake of argument, I was totally clueless when it came to video games and if there was a video game title that maybe there was something violent or objectionable in it, uh, well, okay, here's a hypothetical situation. Saints Row. Now, let's say that I knew absolutely nothing about that title. And I was going to, uh, my kid wanted to pick it up. And I was getting it secondhand, so maybe it didn't have the cover. Uh, it just had, you know, it just was a plain, you know, case that just had a little sticker on it that said Saints Row. Now, if I knew absolutely nothing about the series and there wasn't that rating on there, if that's just how GameStop was selling it to me, I might think, oh, Saints Row, maybe it's a game talking about the the Saints or, you know, St. John or St. You know, Luke or whatever. And just, if, just so everybody knows, that's totally a game to get for your, like, seven-year-old. <laughs> just so, saying, right there, and fully endorsing, just, oh, my God. Anyway, so obvious. So yeah. So obviously, when you uh, when I when I let him pop in this game that I think is going to be about Christian <laughs> saints, and I see gangster thug life and people getting shot and swearing, yeah, okay. So that's where I think it is good that there's the rating system because that way, as I said, if you do have a parent or a grandparent who doesn't know much about video games, and if their kid wants, you know, a a video game, at least by looking at those ratings, they know that, okay, my 13-year-old grandchild wants this. Well, again, yeah, yeah. just use my, just use my, my in-laws as an example. Again, they don't know as much about video games, so if they say, if my son tells them, hey, I want this game as a birthday or a Christmas present, 
they can always look at that rating thing and decide if this is a game that they want to get their 13-year-old grandchild. Yeah, no, and in that in the, that case, I do I do agree. I just there's just a part of it where the the violence in video games and putting a you know a mandatory age on something and then people not thinking, you know what I mean? Because I'm like. I don't know. There's just people I know who have kids who I know aren't are those ages and are still probably not ready for a game. You know what I mean? Of that nature, because they're totally, you know, at least they don't act mature enough to understand the (laughs) concepts of it. You know what I mean? And there's other ones who, you know, totally can you could totally understand. Yeah, no, you know, that's fake. That's not something. You know what I mean? It's just one of those old arguments that. I guess. Just, I don't think we'll ever die, but this whole smoking, it's kind of, it, it's just, smoking is a weird thing that I don't understand. It's the only thing, like, alcohol, you know, alcohol is bad, right? Well, no, not exactly. Well, it causes liver cancer. Well, no, not always, you know, but smoking usually 100% has major bad... No one who's been smoking for 10 years exactly feels as healthy as they did when they started. You know what I mean? I think we can all guarantee that one. Yeah, not everybody's going to get COPD from it. Everybody knows that, you know, the hacker's cough, you know what I mean, the the kind of wheezing, you know, it's not great, but people are going to still do it. So thinking you're going to change opinions by taking it out of a video game or anything, no, you're not. Sadly, you're not. If people are smoking, you know, you might get the the one or two kids who were thinking of doing it and, you know, see this game and see that they're not smoking and talking about anti-smoking and maybe it changes their mind, but most likely not. Yeah, it's cause... not ha- it's not going to happen after they've they've seen this game with enough time period behind it. You know what I mean? to actually affect their decision-making when they actually go to take their first drag off a cigarette. Yeah, and and again, I don't smoke. My dad smoked. Uh, my sister smokes. I have friends who smoke. I mean, I don't, I'm not one of these people who demonizes smokers, you know, but I wouldn't, certainly wouldn't encourage anyone to take up smoking, or at least, you know, I mean, there's, I know there's good and bad tobaccos, uh, cause if you've got, you know, like the more natural stuff where they don't, don't put all the additives and it's not as bad for you. Uh, cause I mean, I have friends who are Native Americans and I know that in some Native American cultures, smoking, is, you know, tobacco is a sacred thing. But ideally what you want for that is you want, you know, someone who actually grew their own tobacco so you know they're not putting all the additives and things. You mean where, not- not genetically modified to hook you from the last drag or, you know, (laughs) so to make sure there's even more nicotine in every, every puff, you know, that's the, that's the one thing I never understood, you know, native Americans got it right. Cause you know, they, I've never, you know, how many, how many native Americans are up to, you know, three packs a day, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but well, you know, one of the things that we can certainly have differing opinions about whether smoking or taking smoking out of Gears of War 5 or, uh, you know, video games. And even Netflix, they were mentioning in this article, 
they said that moving forward for their original series, uh, they're going to remove smoking references, except in situations of like his, you know, historical, you know, where it, it's needed for historical accuracy. Okay, fine. But you can have your own opinions on that. But speaking of having your opinions on a subject, video game movies. We've talked about them before. We did an opinion. (laughs) We did an opinion section where we talked about, you know, why we think video game movies usually suck. Guess what? There's another one in the works. And what game are they going to base this video game movie on? Shredation Raiders. Dun, 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 dun. Yes. Now, okay, so the, I read about this on an, uh, another, again, another Yahoo Movies article. So they've tapped, uh, Greg Russo to pen the script. And he recently did the script for the new Mortal Kombat movie. And, uh, not only that, he's, let's see, looks like he's also written, uh, see the mega inspired Death Note 2 for Netflix and is adopting the video game Saints Row for Men in Black international director F. Gary. So now the, the opening lines of this article says it all. In apparent proof that Hollywood will literally make a movie out of anything, a feature film outing for the classic video game Space Invaders is moving closer to reality. When I first saw that, I'm like, why? Seriously, what plot is there in the Space Invader video games that you really have to work with? There's aliens. They're invading. Yeah, that is true. So, so wait. So there's aliens that are invading. So Space Invaders isn't just a clever name, is it? Mm, it could be. It could be. Oh, and also, yes, uh, this is something we actually should have covered back when we did our video game Urban Legends episode. I don't believe I forgot about this one, but I was reading an article that actually refreshed my memory on it. There was an urban legend that Space Invaders was so popular it caused a shortage of yen in Japan, which actually, uh, I guess that's not true, is just that yen production was actually lower that year, so it hadn't didn't really have anything to do with Space Invaders, but... Uh, so yeah, I don't believe we forgot to cover that. Well, anyways, I, I I just don't get it. I mean, there's not, like I said, there's not really any plot to work with in those games. So I guess my concern is it's probably going to come off as just another generic alien invasion movie. Well, but that Space Invaders, I mean, what what more do you want? Hmm, how many other movies have featured invasion, invasions from outer space? I mean, technically, I mean, what I'm looking forward to is a two hour, two and a half hour movie in where I just sit there and I watch people run around underneath the shields while slowly the people dance back, uh, the aliens dance back and forth across the screen. And the dialogue has to be so riveting. So riveting. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm not saying that, and please understand, I'm not saying that 
Hollywood shouldn't make space invasion movies. I mean, some of them are okay. I did like uh, Independence Day, uh, just to name one example off the top of my head. It's just that I don't think making a, a movie based off of space invaders is really going to add anything new to the you know to the the genre of the alien invasion uh and again it's just because i mean i know space invaders did spawn uh some sequels but again as far as i know there's nothing really ex there's nothing really added to the plots it's all pretty much just you know but there's a there's a ufo like every every couple every couple seconds minutes maybe I, I I don't know that's that that's gonna be worth something I mean it they could be like 3D it might be I so. mean some of us can't watch 3D so I mean it would just be like what the hell was that but you know what I mean for other people it would be totally riveting that is true so what riveting. next what next maybe they could make a movie. Uh, based on asteroids. I, I mean, come on, I'm sure that they can they get did. a little... They, they did, did already. Really? Armageddon. <laughs> oh, yes, maybe... Deep, deep Impact. I mean... I... Well, Deep Impact, I don't think they, uh... I don't think they flew a space shuttle. Did they try to shoot the meteor down with a missile? I don't know, but it still had something to do with the meteor and asteroids, so, I mean, it, it's all good. Oh, yeah, that's true. So, I, <laughs> but yeah, it's just I am, I am, I am waiting. For, I mean, for the for for breakout, it's going to be a it's going to be a, a like a tennis movie. <laughs> well, I don't know. They could try to add some drama in there, but you know, I mean, I'm sure that there's drama that happens in the locker rooms at a, at a tennis event. Exactly. I mean, we'll have, like I said, we'll have to see what they do with it. I personally just don't, I'm not putting a lot of faith in this because, as I said, I think it's going to come off as, I think it's going to come off as just a generic space and alien invader flick. It's it's probably not really going to get anything new or exceptional to the genre. So 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 we can't expect any hentai like tentacle stuff going on. I hope not. <laughs> I mean that could be the romance scene. I mean let's just let's just kind of converge, you know, my genres there. I mean since we only have, you know, aliens, you know, marching across the screen going down, they need something. I mean, well, they kind of had they kind of had the romance between a person and a uh, tentacled thing from outer space. You ever see the movie Galaxy Quest? Mm-hmm. You know, the guy who played the equivalent of a Star Trek red shirt, he fell in love with an alien during the movie. And we know that in their real form, there are these tentacle-like things. Exactly. So it's, it's all good. We could see we're, we're coming up as... We need to work for Hollywood, Al. We need yes. we have such riveting, dramatic impressions <laughs> that... It just can't be. Yes, so any Hollywood executives out there, uh, if you want to hire us to write the script to your next movie, um, you know, hey, POIGamestudio at gmail.com. But 
No, and this is actually a topic that, you know, maybe I should bring you on Geekery in general sometime because uh, I know you've been on it once, but this is totally unrelated. But again, just going uh, when the that, that first line of that article where it was saying that proof that Hollywood will make movies about anything, I mean, I don't know uh, if you watched a lot of like after school cartoons, but back in the 80s, they had they had cartoons based off of uh, Rambo and mm-hmm. RoboCop. I mean, we're talking mm-hmm. R-rated movies, and they're trying to sell it to kids. So, But that would probably be a better topic to explore on, like a geekery in general episode. Exactly. Yeah. No. I mean, we did have Rambo video games and RoboCop video games. That is true. Both of which, if I remembered, weren't that great, but I don't really remember that far back for that for well, that one. It's been too long. Actually, the Rambo for the NES, I think it had potential. I just think it was executed poorly, um, mainly because you never really knew where you were going in that game. It, it really could have used a map system, but yeah, that's as I said, that's that's probably a topic for another time, as I usually like to say. But while there are some things, some prop intellectual properties that aren't very well suited for adaptation beyond what they started out as, there are some franchises and IPs out there that actually can successfully be adapted to both movies and video games. I am, of course, talking about Lord of the Rings. Now, I only saw the first two Hobbit movies. I did see all three of the Lord of the Rings movies. Uh, Have you seen any of the movies in that franchise? I have seen all of them, you blasphemer. If you did not sit through all of the horrible, horrible Hobbit movies, I, I, I have no respect for you. Turning turning a, a what is it 168 page book into a, a four hour march across Middle Earth. Really, I Hobbit just, was I, only uh, Hobbit was only 168 pages. Something like that. I, that that was the thing that was the biggest meme when like when those movies were told it was going to be like each one was going to be like a three hour trail you know movie. It was like. You do realize the book itself is like less than 200 pages. I thought, hold on. How Let's many turn to the internet. Pages is The Hobbit. Okay, thir- three, 310. Okay, so I'm, I'm not, I'm selling it way, way short. <laughs> but you know, in a way that does kind of remind, uh, there's that meme about Dungeons and Dragons. D&D, a game where a five hour walk takes three minutes and a three-minute combat takes five hours. <laughs> exactly. But so, anyways, Amazon is going to be working on a Lord of the Rings video game. Now, I will have to give them credit. It sounds like what they're go- they're going to do something different here. Uh, they are going to be first of all, instead of focusing on, because now, okay, just to put this out there. I'm not an expert on the Lord of the Rings, um, so I'm not, I, I can't really give you a lot of information about the chronology and the different eras and stuff in the game, but uh, the the series that a lot of us are familiar with, uh, the Lord of the Rings franchise, takes place during the Third Age, and this game is actually going to be taking place in the Second Age, 
So it's going to be a prelude to the, well, not really a prelude, but it's going to be taking place before uh, the movie series that and the book series that a lot of people are familiar with. Now, the only thing I don't like about what it sounds so far is that it's going to be an MMO. Nothing against MMOs, it's just I don't play MMOs, so it's going to be, unless they introduce like a single-player campaign, it's not going to be accessible to all audiences, I guess you Mm -hmm. could say. Yeah. Because, and again, like I said, I have nothing against MMOs, it's just... Since I really don't get into them, I just don't, um, it's not going to be a selling point. Now, if they did, at least for me anyway. Now, if they did something where like, like what they did, but now if they did something like they did with Final Fantasy 15, where they've got the main story game, but then they've got the separate multiplayer comrades type section, I could see that actually working, but we'll have to see. I mean, who knows? Maybe they will introduce a, uh, uh, a single-player version of the, whatever game they're developing. Now, again, so I've got a few questions here, because I am a MMO person. Is this going to be... Because I'm not a big Lord of the Rings person, you know what I mean, slash Hobbit. You know, it, it's fine. But is it going to be riveting enough to take me away from my Final Fantasy fourteen? Is it to... As far as I knew, and I don't know if this is because it's in a different age... Doesn't Warner Brothers have the rights to the video game, like the digital thing? So is this going to be a microtransaction-filled Wonderland? Uh, or is it because it's an MMO, it's going to be okay because you're going to pay a subscription fee? And and here's the next thing. Will my Prime subscription pay for my MMO cost? Will it be free to Prime members? You know what I mean? Hmm. That's an interesting um, question. Now that I'm not sure because I, uh, since it looks sounds like it's still early in production, it's possible that if you have an Amazon Prime membership, it might, uh, it, you know, your it might cover the, you know, a subscription to that, um, or if anything else, it might get you a discount. So they they haven't really mentioned much about the the model about whether it's going to be a subscription-based thing like, you know, like World of Warcraft, or if it's going to be, you know, more akin to like a free-to-play game with in-app purchases and microtransactions. But, and now as far as when you're talking about Warner Brothers or whoever owns the rights to the, the Tolkien stuff, they didn't really say that in the... You know, in the the couple of articles I read, but I think a lot, it might also depend on how the contract was written with the Tolkien estate. Because um, again, I know licensing rights can get a bit complex, and I, I mean, just as an example, okay, I'm trying to think of the actually, I'm trying to think of an example, but well, I don't know if this is a good example or not, but um, I recently did a lot of research about. Uh, the evolution of the the Jetfire character in the Transformers G1 series. Uh, it's okay. going to be a future topic for geekery in general because this month um, they are releasing a new toy based on Jetfire, but it's actually going to look closer to his original animation model. I mean, did because are you familiar with the original G1 Jetfire toy? Yeah. 
you know how it was based it was based off of uh the Macross Valkyries. Mm-hmm. So uh one of the now there's a few theories as to why they made the changes. I mean a lot of it does boil down to legal reasons because after uh Takatoku Toys that own you know the company that owned the uh the rights to that particular model after they went on a business the the designs for the different robots and mecha they made were bought up by different companies and the one for the Valkyrie was bought out by Bandai and since at the time they didn't really do much business in the US they licensed the rights to that mold for the jet for the Jetfire toy now the one of the reasons that people think that or one of the theories as to why they changed Jetfire is because they may not have gotten the licensing rights to use the model outside of making a toy so it's possible they may not have had the rights to use it in animation um but oddly enough the character premiered in the C- in this the TV series before the toy was actually released but like I said when uh, I released that that episode of Geekerine, generally you'll be able to you know hear more about it so I know I was getting off topic there but I mean it's possible that you know maybe they Warner Brothers has something worked out with the Tolkien estate where they only have rights to cover the stories that take place in the third age because if they only license the rights to the Hobbit and the uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy they might not have you know they might not have an umbrella over the the IP I, again I don't know if I'm making sense here but you know you know they might not have the rights to Warner Brothers might not have the rights to prevent other companies from using Tolkien's IP in their products it's just that maybe they they only have the rights to use material from a certain number of books so maybe that's why they're they're able to get away with it plus we are talking Amazon so if any company wants to throw a dump truck full of money at something they can afford to do it Okay, since we decided to go with Transformers, I am happy to announce that I am actually considering the first time I would have bought something like this. They are coming out with a two-foot-tall version of Unicron for Transformers. Really? Yes, it's only 500 some odd dollars. Now is it this... turns into it now the thing that I don't know is it, it I'm imagining it's going to be plastic which makes me sad because I would have really liked an ironclad <laughs> G1 type uh, unicron but it's going to be it's going to have 52 points of articulation and it's going to transform through two foot tall unicron to planet and have its own stand I would like to announce this because I really, really, the the part of me that's insensible and not responsible, <laughs> really, apparently the planet is 19 pounds. It's going to be 30 inches in diameter. Okay, yeah, because I'm actually, I just pulled up the TF Wiki site. And yeah, there it's okay. They do mention that. Yeah, it's released. In, it's its release date is 2021. 27 inches tall, 30 inches wide, weighs 19 pounds. Oh, I love the the. Here's the ca- <laughs> here's the caption that uh, they put on the TF Wiki page. 
for the, again, it shows a picture of what it, it'll probably look like in robot mode and in planet mode. For a time, I considered spearing your wretched bank account, but now, <laughs> now we shall witness its withdrawal. Oh, its withdrawal. I just want to know. I don't see it for 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 being nineteen pounds. Please let it be diecast metal. Don't let it just be plastic. I'm just saying. Just let it be metal. Just a large metal thing. <laughs> I just, I just can't. Five hundred some odd dollars, but a two foot tall transformer. It just, boy, and, and it has a stand, and it needs to be able to hold nineteen pounds. I just want to know what you're not telling me. Is it diecast metal? Just tell me if it's metal. I will. Wow. So, but you know, actually, uh, TF Wiki, they do get. Um, it is actually funny because sometimes they do put amusing captions on uh, for some of the toys. Because the way the, the page is set up is that usually from when they have a section where they're talking about the toys for a Transformer, they list it as chronological. Where, you know, the, of course, they'll first there, um, <laughs> you know, first they'll like, you know, release the... Uh, you know, they'll do like the G1 or whatever the earliest version of the toy was for, you know, of course, toys that uh, were, you know, not based on G1. They'll start with the earliest appearance and then go from there. But uh, one thing that's kind of funny is like one of the lines they use every now and then is, and then the rest of the toys on this page were thrown away. Like uh, example of when they, one of them that they use it is uh, Devastator. Because in the in the section where they talk about the different toys for Devastator, um, it'll say like, okay, um, the yes, like you know, okay, it talks about the different evolution of the Devastator toys, and then under the entry for 2015, the Generations gift set, it says, and all the other toys on this page were thrown away. <laughs> oh yes, and then they have the second one after that is a as a another version that has a more uh, like cartoon, at, has like a, a different paint set, so it's supposed to look a bit more battle damage and a bit more like the original toy. Or actually, not battle damage. It just looks more like the original. Or it, it just has a better decor. Decor, and then it says under that, and the above toy was thrown away. And then they have like another version where it's again more. It's colored and designed to be more closer to the G1 cartoon. And then said, and both of the toys above this page were thrown away. For real. I'm just I'm just saying that I just can't even are did they stop selling the, the new Starscream and all those guys that they were doing for a while? I know they were limited, but Um I well I I know Starscream of course is one of those characters they're always releasing, but um I mean I I know they have reissues they do every now and then and I don't think they're selling them anymore cuz I know with Walmart they've got a deal where they were doing um they call it the vintage G1 line and I actually have three toys from that uh the Optimus Prime which is just the cab it's not the you know it doesn't include the trailer and then they did one for Starscream and one for Hot Rod and oh four uh, I also have one for Bumblebee that actually has a a head that they remade for it so it looks more like the, you know, the cartoon as opposed to the actual, you know, what the the original toy was. 
Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, that was. Wow. We, we went off the rails here. I, I apologize to anyone listening, but you must bow down to Unicron. There's, yes. there's no escaping Unicron. There is, truly, there is no escaping Unicrons. <laughs> well, getting back to the topic of video games, though. Now, have you played a lot of the Lord of the Rings games? No. Um, the, I wanted to kind of play the first... Um, uh, what was the one for before the microtransaction disaster that was? Uh, not sure, because... I mean, I've played a few of them. I haven't played any of like the older ones, but I did play a, some for the Xbox. Um, they did have a. It wasn't made by EA, but I know there was a Fellowship of the Ring game that uh, another com- a different company had released, where it was supposed to follow the plot of the book more closely as opposed to the movie, because you actually get to meet Tom Bombadil in that one. Uh, also. I've played the two EA games uh, based on Two Towers and and uh, Return of the King. I liked them. They were both good games. Okay. And I also played EA's Tales of the Third Age, which I know a lot of people didn't like it, but I didn't think it was that bad. It was interesting because, well, actually, one of the complaints that people had about it is that it wasn't focusing on the main characters, but... You know, those main characters, Gimli, Aragon, Legolas, they do make appearances. But it was interesting in the way it was done is because you're playing a party of secondary characters that's like following in the trail of the, you know, of the main party from the movie series. So it's always like they're like just a few steps behind them. So I actually enjoyed that game. Granted, it doesn't have much replayability, but it was still a fun game to play just play through once. Hmm. So just be, just because I had to, and I I can't put it out of my mind now, we do need to find someone to bring out the game Sean Bean's Adventures. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Just, oh, just a what? series of unfortunate demises. You know what fun would that be? Because yeah, it's like what you get to play every character that Sean Bean plays where he dies. Exactly. But, you know, actually, that might be a topic. That might be something to talk about in just a few moments when we get to our last topic. But uh, first, before we move on. Okay. Or actually, moving on. Uh, next story Fire Emblem, The Three Houses, uh, upcoming game for the Fire Emblem series, which, again, is another one of those series that I've never really played. So I'm not very intimately involved in. But. Or I don't have a I don't have an intimate attachment to that game, but speaking of intimacy, well now that now that we know that you might want to be intimate with that game, well it's ri- a, riveting. Well, to, <laughs> let's just get into it here. Nintendo says that Fire Emblem Three Houses will allow same-sex relationships with its characters. Now, oh, oh wait, wait, I didn't know what that meant. Oh my God, Al, you know what this means. What, we better get down to the local uh, Best Buy and start a start a a, a video game burning pyre. <laughs> do, you, do you have some wood or something we can tape that up to? We we definitely we we got to stop this news. This news has gotten too too much away from normality here. There can't be any. Uh, never mind. Okay. Yeah. We, we're well, done. yeah. Because I, mean, I know that people. <laughs> okay. So the 
Well, we only have until July 26th to plan that because, no, just kidding, because I (laughs) honestly, personally, it doesn't bother me at all. And I know we've talked about LGBT characters in video games uh, before, uh, specifically with the Soldier 76 um, controversy. And I haven't heard a lot of controversy being stirred up about this yet. Honestly, it doesn't bother me, and it's not just because I'm not really into the Fire Emblem series, but, you know, I mean, like I said, I have LGBT friends, so I think it is kind of a nice gesture that they are giving, you know, people of those orientations something that they might be able to appreciate, or that they might, now that's probably not the, that's not the best word for it, something they can relate to. That mm-hmm. that's probably a better way to say it, because uh, again, as we've talked about before, um, there you know there is somewhat of a controversy. Okay, should same-sex relationships be allowed in video games? And um, I know, I mean, I remember we were talking about uh, Proto Mario. Firmly, I think I think we were pretty much firmly against. Right? It was like that's just unheard of. How could you ever? In this day and age, oh my God! Well, Someone protect me. Well, it's it was more like the because I know what the whole Soldier seventy six controversy, and again the reason that uh, the the YouTuber Proto Mario said he was he wasn't really for it is because he didn't feel that something like that belonged in a competitive shooter. Now he was saying though that well maybe if it was more story driven. So in this case, this is I could see it you know, working out a bit more because if you do have a game that, because the article I read about it said that uh, if you play every path in the game, it offers about 200 hours worth of gameplay, which is a lot. Yeah. I mean, I got about 90 hours out of my first playthrough of uh, Final Fantasy 15 and I still go back and play it. So it's like, okay, if a game can honestly offer 200 hours of play time, that's impressive. Now, it says to beat every path in the game, so it might be a situation where, okay, you know, each actual path you take might only take, you know, 40, 50 hours, but still. Uh, that's that's about three games there. Yeah, but again, as far as allowing same-sex relationships, I think it could possibly work in, yeah. a, such, in a game like this where it is more story-driven as opposed to being you know, just go out and shoot anything that moves. So I, I I think, you know, all kidding aside, you know what I mean? I think even people who are against it, you know what I mean? I think the real thing all anyone's asking for is to have it make sense with the story, to have it have some kind of meaningfulness to the video game, not not to staple something on just for the mere fact of inclusivity, but to actually have it mean something because otherwise, why should we care? Well, they do mention, yeah, that that is true. And they do mention in the article, so again, reading from the happygamer.com article, one of the most intensive, intense, one of the most intense parts of the game is this. Any character defeated during the war will experience permadeath, at least if you're playing the non-casual version of the game. 
Anyway, uh, that means three houses will be rough emotionally. Not only does the title's protagonist have to train these officers, but then your character will need to kill some of them off, or at least there's that potential that some of them could be killed. So that's where, um, you know, again, I can see you've got that emotional attachment because if your character does form, you know, it does give you the option to form a romantic attachment with another character, whether they're same sex or opposite sex. Yeah, if you have to send them off to war to possibly get killed, yeah, that's that's going to stir up some emotions. And and like I said, I think that's that was the same thing with the, you know, the soldiers is seventy six, right? I think was not the fact that no anyone cares one way or the other. But if it has no impact, if it's just there for inclusivity's sake, what's the point anymore? We need good stories. We need representation that means something. You know what I mean? And I think at the end of the day, you know, that this sounds like maybe depending on how they do it, you you just might get that. Yeah. So it sounds like we're both one thing we're both in agreement and again just based on that Proto Mario episode I saw this is probably if you are going to introduce same sex relationships and going to have it you know this would make more sense because you are going to it's going to make more sense in the flow of the story than it would if you're in a situation where it's just a, a shooter so well now- and just so everybody knows, uh, video game burning is at. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully it's at an all-time low because I mean, come on. As we talked about last episode, there's already enough people, uh, you know, morons out there making videos of themselves destroying their kids' games and uh, oh and video game consoles because they got an F on a Spanish test or something. I'm just saying, anybody want to just hand me hand me that money instead of destroying the video game? I will take four hundred dollars at a pop for your kid not to have. You can just, you know, when the PS5 comes out, send me the PS5 instead of, instead of breaking it. Just yeah. send it to me. <laughs> I'm more than happy. So, well, moving on. Uh, here is a game though that you can play, and that's not going to cost anything. There is a website mersox.com they uh well not too recently it was last month but they introduced a teenage mutant ninja turtle fan game called teenage mutant ninja turtles rescue palooza now i sent you a link to that did you have a chance to download or play the game i did not know it's actually a lot of fun and the plot of it is shredder has pretty much kidnapped you know, everyone that he thinks the turtles care about. And so what you have to do is you have to go rescue everyone. And as you beat stages, not only do you get allies, new allies, but some of the enemies you defeated, they become playable characters too. It has 60 playable characters and 17 stages. Now, as far as the style uh, it starts out with a top-down map similar to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for the NES. And then you just go to whatever stage you want. And then most of the stages are done in the, the perspective of TMNT, the arcade game. Okay. So, you know, that isometric uh, beat-em-up brawler type. But there are some stages that are side-scrolling. But honestly, I think it's cool. It uses assets from 
uh, the, you know, the TMNT games, music, graphics. Uh, also, for some reason, they have a stage in there where they use the Bayou Billy. I don't know if you ever played that game. <laughs> it uses the first stage in the music from Bayou Billy. And I think there's a couple other things they've taken some stuff from. But still, it's it's interesting because each of the characters has their own statistics and a special move. Now, usually in these beat-em-up games, you have a special move. When you do it, it takes some of your life away. Actually, you don't have to worry about that in this game. Uh, you, you have a meter, and when it's full, you can use your special attack. After you use it, the meter goes down to zero, and you have to wait for it to build up. But all in all, it's, I said, it's a lot of fun, and I recommend taking a look at it if you haven't uh, had a chance already. Yeah, no, it, it looked really interesting. I mean... You know, the, now, another note, talking about TMNT, didn't we talk about the other week that they're bringing out the original arcade games in a one-up machine? Well, we I know we've talked about several of them, and I think we just mentioned TMNT was one of them we'd like to see. I don't think they're at, they've actually brought it out yet. I, I don't Not, think there's any plans to release it as a one-up yet. Oh, you haven't heard the news. I have not. Do I have to turn to the internets? Oh, you do. The gospel is calling, and both Marvel, X-Men, and TMNT are on the list of things to... And Star Wars, for that matter. Oh, the original Star Wars with the vector graphics? Mm-hmm. They're, they're bringing all three of those out. That's why this, this article reminded me of this, because if you're saying that this is good and it uses those graphics from the arcade game, plus, you know what I mean, now the arcade game is actually coming out... I think that's probably awesome because awesome, yeah. Because the I'm on the arcade one up site. They don't mention anything about TMNT yet, but they do have one they show that has Marvel, uh, Marvel vs. Capcom, Marvel superheroes, X Men, and Punisher. But yeah, oh, if they could release an arcade one up that has, uh, and I think they could do this because I think Konami did all three of these games. You know, TMNT the arcade game. X-Men, and The Simpsons. Yeah, well, I don't think it'll include all those, but I think... Hold on. Arcade 1 up. You know what I still want? Just off topic. Gauntlet Dark Legacy original arcade game. I mm-hmm. think that would be awesome. But, I mean, it's like I said, it's a fun game, and I recommend you take a chance. You go and you... I, you know, I certainly recommend you go download it if you're into it it has a lot of good nostalgia but one of the things i like about it is the characters you get have most of them have differences different styles of play other than their special attack uh, because characters have power speed life and range so it's interesting because like for example april o'neill is one of the characters you get to play in the game and she actually, you know, she's fast, doesn't not really too powerful. Her main power is range because she's when I first saw her I'm like it's, it's like Simon Belmont because she uses her microphone on the cord to whip things. <laughs> and her special attack is she pulls out her camera, takes a picture and says something like this would be a great story and it like um, you know, it like damages everything on the screen. But take a look at it if you're in, into those types of games. I shall. So this brings us to our opinion section. Should game companies embrace fan games like this? 
because one of the reasons I decided to talk about it and why I think it's timely to discuss it, uh, Tech Review USA, another YouTube channel that we watch, mentioned that Nintendo ordered the website that was hosting Super Mario Battle Royal uh, to take it down. And I did make a mistake because another fan, I thought it was a different one called, um, I thought it was a different one called Super Mario Brothers Crossover. Uh, did you ever play that game back when it was in its prime? Which one? Uh, Super Mario Crossover. No. It's actually a lot of fun. The actual levels were just the first Super Mario Brothers game. And the thing that was cool about it, you could choose Mario, but not only that, you could also choose... To, originally, you could choose Simon Belmont, uh, Samus Aran, uh, one of the guys from Contra... Or Link to, you know, to to go through the stages as well. And then later, I know they made a, uh, they added. Uh, see, I know, I know they added the 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 Sophia from Blaster Master, and they also added uh, Ryu from Ninja Gaiden. But what was cool is basically each character played like they did in their original game. So, for example, if you were playing as uh, Ryu from Ninja Gaiden. You could crawl up walls. But, you know, other than that, it worked like a lot like a regular Mario game. You got, uh, you know, you got a power up and it would power up, you know, it would do different things based on the character. And it was a lot of fun. I'm not sure if it's still up, but uh, the, it was, I said it was fun back in the day. Um, also, I know another fan game I heard about, Left for Dead. Uh, there was a person that was trying to make a an 8-bit top-down shooter version of the game. Uh, another example I can think of off the top of my head is... I know there was... Uh, someone was making an updated version of the first Castlevania game where the stages all would have been the same. It's just they did it... You, they made it using the Unity engine um, where they you know, were giving it updated graphics and gameplay. So honestly, it, it it looked really good. Now, do you? What do you think about these fan games? Oh yes, and there was also another one where someone was making an eight bit version of Final Fantasy VII. So I'm of two minds because I kind of understand some of the ramifications of it on the outside. I like it because I think everybody should have creativity and you know the ability to do whatever you know. On the other hand, you know, IP is such a big thing, and with, like, a takedown of this nature, the reason they're taking it down is so that they don't lose ownership of the IP. It's not because they don't want people to have fun with, you know, their characters or whatnot. It's because people don't want to lose their intellectual property. So, you know what I mean? I totally think that it's awesome that people are doing this. But on the other hand, I understand completely where, like, Nintendo's going. You know what I mean? When it's like, yeah, we definitely don't want to lose the intellectual property to, like, Morio or any of our characters because somebody made a, you know, thing and they go, well, you didn't take it down, so why? <laughs> yeah, and at least they didn't hit the guy with a multi-million dollar lawsuit like they did to the person who was, you know, that couple that was doing the, the ROM hack site. Yeah. But what the guy did is he basically redid the game, except, you know, took out the Mario stuff, and now it's called DMCA Royal instead of Mario Royale. But 
I don't know. I guess I totally understand what you're saying when you're talking about the whole intellectual property. I guess what bothers me is I think they're going, I sometimes I do think that they're just being jerks. Yes, I know you want to, you want to defend your copyright, but if someone's not getting any money off of it, this is just doing something they're doing for fun in their free time. Where's the harm? You know, it's not like this, you know, again, just like with the, this TMNT fan game. It's not like that's going to destroy the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle franchise. Uh, I mean, come on. If Michael Bay couldn't destroy TMNT, a fan game is certainly is not. Well, to be honest with you, how much uh, how much Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles have we seen since Michael Bay made this film? Well, it's been mostly... <laughs> It's been mostly on Nickelodeon because I know uh, Nickelodeon had a few. Uh, I think they actually had a couple different TMNT series. Yeah. Did you know that there's a Batman versus the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon that they brought out? Interesting. I could certainly see something like that because I could see how they could mistake, you know, Batman could mistake the TMNT for being some supervillains and the 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 turtles might mistake Batman for being uh, the, you know, for being some sort of supervillain as well. Exactly. So, or they might think he's actually a member of the Foot Clan. So, yeah, and I don't know. As like so, I, I mean, that's that's the real thing, though. Getting back, you know, to the topic, it's just it's just the fact that, you know, if it wasn't for, you know, I I don't know. I I just think it's the matter of. You know, if we let the free things go, how long until they try to monetize it? You know, will there be a problem with it? And it's it's a it's a hard because I've heard of of Nintendo actually having people coming up and saying, "Hey, we'd like to use your thing in a in a fan thing for free. We won't make any money out of it," and they still say no. Usually, you know what I mean. I was really surprised when, uh, if you've heard about it, the I've never actually played it, but the Crypt of the Necrodancer or whatnot, people, they're making a new game called um, Cadence of Hyrule using Lincoln, Lincoln, and that's a third party that's doing that game. But But I have heard over the years, you know, Nintendo just squashing things that people have gone to Nintendo themselves and just trying to get permission before the fact that they do it. So, and I think it's just because they just religiously hold on to their IP and they don't want anybody even messing with it. I mean, I, I think it's one of those things where I, yes, I can see both sides of the argument. I can certainly see why Nintendo would want to protect and any video game company would want to protect their IPs. That's totally, that's totally understandable. But, you know, as I talked about before, sometimes I think they do go a bit far now, in this case, I'm glad that it sounds like they just ordered a takedown. They didn't, like, say, okay, you made this game and we're going to sue you, you know, for $10 million. But I personally think that they should be a bit more open and welcoming of fan games, especially if no money is going to be involved, because it's clear the people who are doing this, making these games, they're doing it out of a very sincere love for the IP that they're making the game of. 
And again, that's what I see. Even though I'm not like a hardcore Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle fan, I can see that the person who made that Rescue Palooza game has a very sincere love of the, the TMNT franchise. Well, if they were, I can't name 61 characters, that, that would have been... Only 60, only 60. Or 60, I can't name 60, I don't even know if I can name 10 characters, that would have been, you know, co-op partners for, for TMNT, much less 60. So that has to get a little bit into the lore. Yeah, and, and there's a, I noticed there was at least one guy that I remember from, uh, there's some like floating cow head that appears during the bonus stages. And that, I know he appeared in, like, one of the Archie comics or one of the more kid-friendly comics. Because, again, with TMNT, a lot of people who aren't real big fans of the series might not realize that the original TMNT series was dark as heck. Mm-hmm. I've always, I've always kind of wanted to read the series. I've just never gotten a, a chance, because... Yeah, and, and like I said, the, uh, because, yeah, the, uh... Shredder actually got killed in the first TMNT episode or, or issue that Eastman and Laird made. And Splinter actually was training the Turtles specifically to kill Shredder. You know, so that stuff like that kind of gets lost in the, uh, in the, the Saturday morning after school cartoon we got. Exactly. Well, any final thoughts as we close out this episode? Oh my God. I don't know. <laughs> only uh, only that just you saw it i sent you the article on the tmnt and the marvel superheroes exactly um i forget if we talked about it but i am grumpy i just wanted to as a final thought leave us on grumpiness today well, where is my news for star ocean the remake where's my release date my price Where's my release date on Final Fantasy VIII Remaster? Where, where have they gone? Why aren't Why aren't they there? When are they going to tell me about it? They They got me all hyped up for these things, you know. Why Why aren't they here yet? Maybe I don't know. Maybe they're clearing some rights issue or something. I don't know. But well, with that said, I'd like to thank you all for tuning in today. And I I'm sorry we went a little long. And I think it's just because since we're going monthly now. We tend to cover a little bit more. So hopefully you guys don't mind and uh, just see it as uh, more, I'd say more money for your, more bang for your buck, but you don't pay for this podcast, or at least you shouldn't be paying for this podcast. <laughs> and, it, and if you want to pay for it, you know, let us know, because I think there might be some lucrative deals going on behind the scenes. Hopefully oh, I, not. I, I I'm wish. pretty sure I'm pretty sure Al could use could use some like undercover money and stuff like that. That would be nice actually, but no. Well, with that said, I like to or actually though on the Podbean site, there is an option there to become a patron. So oh, really? I know I, I know I don't I don't uh really talk about it very often cuz I don't really like begging for, you know, money on the internet, but well, you know it is. We can't be e beggars. No, it, no. Oh, I, and really, I, honestly, if I uh, in my in my elementary school, that's exactly what I wanted to be. I want to be an e beggar. Please, yeah. sir. Please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, and the thing is, it's like, you know, I guess just the way I see it, it's like it's more kind of the thing where, hey, if you like the work. 
mm-hmm. you know, if you like the, you know, you like the the show, this is just one way you can support it. But of course, the way you can support Point of Insanity Network without spending a single cent, share this program on your social media platforms of choice. Exactly. And won't cost you a penny, and it'll give you that warm, squishy feeling deep down, knowing that you're helping promote the network. Exactly. Well, with that said, I'd like to thank you all for tuning in, and until next time, happy gaming. Hey! This is Adventures Anthology, or what we lovingly call D&DAA. We're a native Green Bay group of four players and our DM, Micah Brault, who all come from different backgrounds and have different experiences and skill levels within Dungeons & Dragons. Our campaign takes place in a created homebrew universe of various genres, and we have a tasty cocktail drink every session. We'll have one-shots with special guests like Blake McClellan from Mindless Productions. We run raffles for miniatures, and potentially we'll do some meetups in the future. So come check out our website and join the conversations at Adventures Anthology on Spotify. So if you like Dungeons & Dragons, role-playing, and drinking shots to craft cocktails, check us out. Thank you. You have been listening to a program from the Point of Insanity Network. Visit us at poigamestudio.podbean.com for more shows. Follow us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at POI Game Studio.